All right. Good morning, Maranatha, to you. If you have your old, old Bibles, or you have those fancy laptops. No, no mic. They said I'm loud enough. Thank you, thank you. If you have your old Bibles, yeah, turn to page 907 or 906. If you have a laptop or an iPad, figure it out. Okay, figure it out. Uh, the first time I ever heard that song, uh, that song was actually in a small basement meeting in West Virginia. I was, uh, I was probably 18 years old. Uh, I left with the fragrance of that song for the rest of the summer. The only thing is I didn't know it. I just heard it. And I tortured everyone after that because we were trying to learn it together. And everybody knew it except for me, but I wanted to sing it loud. Yeah? Uh, so, so for a while there, that, that song was very, and it still is, very special to me. I have you in Daniel chapter 5. As you might imagine, we have our work cut out for us. They brought a fast-speaking brother to cover 31 verses. I don't know if there's any wisdom in that, but we're not going to try to go too, too fast. We've got a little bit of time this morning. You should be familiar, Lord willing, with the passage. But all scripture is beneficial when read. So even if the preacher's bad, you do a good bit of reading and you'll always come out successful. Uh, So if you'll join me in chapter 4. In verse 37 first, okay, then we're going to get into chapter 5. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways uh, judgment, and, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. You might, you might as well get used to that hard Bible word going away, because from this point in the book, he's probably not going to play as big a role as he did in the first four chapters. But you are introduced to chapter 5. Another hard Bible word, Belshazzar. So we read this. It says, Belshazzar the king made a feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousands. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Verse 3, then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple and out of the house of of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the God of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. Please remember that verse. We'll try to come back to it. It's very important. You'll notice there's six elements here. These were God-given elements. They weren't meant to worship those elements. They were meant to help in the worship of the one true God. So anything we can put together, the given things of God. Wonderful thing that you see here how things have changed roles. Verse 5. In the same hour came forth forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlesticks upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that his joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. The king king spake and said to those wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing, that's the writing on the wall, okay, uh, and show me the interpretation thereof, shall be clothed with scarlet and have chains of gold about his neck. And shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. And and then came in all the king's wise men. But they could not read the writing. Nor make known the king's interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled. And his countenance was changed. And his lords were astonished. Now the queen by reason of the word of the king and his lords. Came into the banquet hall. 
And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy countenance, or let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and whom in the day of thy father uh, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar thy father and king, I say thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel. That's quite a resume for a young man. Or actually, in this case, he's an older man now. Whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and, his, and show his, the interpretation thereof. Then was Daniel brought in before the king, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel which art of the children of the captivity of Judah? whom the king of my father brought out of Jewry. I have ever even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that the light of an understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But they could not show the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of thee, that thou canst make interpretation and dissolve doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing... And make known to me the interpretation thereof. Thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have chains of gold about thy neck and shalt be the third ruler in the kingdom. Verse 17. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. Uh, Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, verse 18 goes on to say, The most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and a majesty, and glory, and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nation, languages, trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he slew, and whom he would, he, <clears throat> he kept alive. And whom he would, he set up, and whom he would, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from the kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Verse 21. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. Uh, they fed with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High, or Most High God, ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. And thou, o, his son, Bel, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thy heart, though thou knewest all this. Verse 23. But hast lifted up thyself against the, the Lord of heaven, And they brought the vessels of his house before thee. And thou and thy lords and thy wives and and thy concubines have drunk wine in them. And thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold and of brass and iron and wood and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose all thy ways hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Eupharsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is, is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar and they clothed Daniel with scar- Okay, he didn't get the memo. Uh, And they clothed Daniel with scarlet and chains of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be a third ruler in the kingdom. Not one verse later, it says, In that night, Belshazzar, the king, 
of the Chaldeans was slain, or the Chaldeans slain. And Darius the, Me- uh, uh, the Medes took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. Tremendous. Thank you, bro. Okay, we got our work cut out for us. This is, uh, 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 when you look at this book, this is the coloring book of the Old Testament. This book, to me, it comes alive. It's, it's such a fantastic read. I remember being a young man, and as a young man, you, you, you try to find ways of you know, giving out Bibles and things like that. Everybody's first hint is that the Bible is very difficult and a hard book to read. I remember uh, when I was in high school, I challenged one of my friends to read, and he picked the book of Judges. Not my choice, but that was his choice. I wasn't going to discourage him. He came back the next day and said, this book's more exciting than I thought it was. You know, and I said, you're right. God's word is exciting. And right now you've gone through five chapters of nothing but pure excitement. This man, Daniel, lived an exciting life. He kept his testimony for the living God. And in that whole time, the man rose to power in one of the strongest nations or world empires ever. Beautiful empires. So you've read all these stories and it's not even done. You haven't even gotten to the lion's den, which is in chapter 6. So here you have what we when we read God's word, it's helpful to not necessarily forget everything we read. I, I'm not I'm not opposed to reading chapter four. And then if that's your meditation for the day, that, that's good. But please, when you read chapter five, it's a helpful thing to remember what chapter four said, because it helps you to compare. And when you remember, even when you write, remember when you well, some of us haven't written in a long time. Thank God for computers and things. like that. But. When you write paragraphs, your, your paragraphs, your next following paragraph usually has something to do with the paragraph prior. And it keeps you, you know, something called a thought flow. And it helps you kind of remember the writer and what he's trying to communicate. Because I just want you to know, although inspired, the word of God is absolutely brilliant. And so that when you read it, you can see that the writer has a purpose for writing this book. It isn't meant to write stories that maybe you just read and accept and never really understand. Praise the Lord that maybe with a little time and a little effort, God's word can be understood and you can have fun doing it. Okay? Because these stories here kind of make it easy. So you remember chapter 4, the great mighty king Nebuchadnezzar. Well, he had a proclamation for the living God. This great kingdom that, or this empire that I've created for my glory. He makes his declaration before the, the, the one true God. And the one true God has to deal with him, doesn't he? He has to put him down. And in that case, he eventually, by putting him down, by his grace, he restores the man and restores his kingdom. Well, in chapter 5, it almost looks like deja vu. Because now you're introduced to another king. And he, too, has a proclamation before the living God. The difference is that he is not restored. His kingdom comes to an end. And that's what makes this book powerful. Because now as you look at chapter 5, you're about to get into chapter 6. And the second half of the book, when it's flipped in half, almost looks identical. The thought flow, the things that are, you can put together. It takes a little time and effort, but you, 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 this, is, this is why we have the body of believers, so we can help each other study God's word. You might have it nailed down. Thank the Lord for that. Share it. Okay? There's nothing wrong. I, I think some of the best discussions we've had is over, over a meal and just discussing God's word instead of you know, sports and things of that nature. It's good to go through God's word. And it's good also to, to have the attitude that you're not going to always understand it the first time around. Okay? I want you to know that Daniel died having understood some, some of what you know, he was given. And a lot of it, he wasn't able to even see it nor understand it. And still he honored God. So there's a way that we can approach Scripture. Okay? And that, now, when you look at this book, this is actually a tremendous climax because the book itself shows the fulfillment of chapter 2. Do you remember chapter 2? Where the kingdoms you know, started with a head of gold and it would be divided. Do you remember that? Well, it actually comes true, the first part of it at least. What a tremendous blessing. 
that you, Daniel got to live. He got to be an old man. And he got to see what was prophesied come true. Man was grounded because of that. You understand? He was unshakable because of what he knew and what he got to see in his short lifetime. Amazing. He got to see the, the kingdom cut down. And God establish and bring in the Middle Persian Empire. That happens in the book. You don't have to wait for it. It's not magical. You don't have to look it up on Google. It's here. It happens at the end. Belshazzar slain. Darius the Medes took, takes the kingdom. Amazing. Fulfillment of God's word. Our brother was kind of alluding to it. Prophecy is amazing because it has to be fulfilled. God is not like you and I who can make promises. And if they don't come true, well, we hope that maybe the kids or whoever we made the promise to would forget, you know, because <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're not perfect. God is not like that. God has put his whole livestock in prophecy. And God is willing to do that. You know why? Because he controls it. And therefore, it to you and I, when we understand it and we come to grasp it, oh, the Lord gives tremendous blessing. Wow. When these things are they're grounded in our faith. Uh, I was telling Jamel, and I was a little hard on this, but when we, get, when we get the kids, we're so good. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and my favorite, John. Oh, yes. You've got to share that at home. But after a while, the kids have had enough about that. They need to hear some of this. Because let me tell you what grounded Daniel. He wasn't around to hear Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know what he was around to hear? Jeremiah. And the man's faith was grounded because he knew the words of Jeremiah. The very book starts, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, you think that you've taken this kingdom. No, no, no. The God of heaven has given you the kingdom. You know, and you're looking at that besides reason. And reason sometimes doesn't necessarily you know, give you the, you know, the strength, at least the faith, to go on honoring the Lord. In this case, it did Daniel because he understood the book of Jeremiah. That being said, small things reoccur in God's word. Now it takes a fine-tooth comb. Okay? Remember I tell you, and I told the saints at my own assembly, and I'm challenging myself always first. Sometimes God's word is not a magical lamp where you get up in the morning, you read five verses, and now you say, now you give me, God. Okay, Lord, I'm I'm never going to discourage five verses. But if you want to get to know the living God, you better be able to take some time and some effort I just want to remind you, if you go in a degree, or ask our brother David, when he went to get his engineering degree, well, what time and effort went into that? God's word is no different. You want to be a master. You want to know who God is. You want to have a real relationship with him. You have to put in the time. There's no way around it. Okay? And like I said, and sometimes it's super exciting because you can see that this book has little things that come up. You remember chapter 1? Our brother spoke on chapter 1 a long time ago. You remember verse 2? Belshazzar, while he tasted he, uh, the wine, commanded to bring the golden vessels. Golden vessels. Now go back to chapter 1 and also verse 2. Look what it says. And, Je- and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. You see, the thing is, when I was a kid and I read this, I was so interested to find out what the scriptures didn't say. What happened to Daniel? How old was Daniel? What happened to his family? Was his family still alive? I mean, what what happened? The writer of this book doesn't even waste any time. But he does mention these vessels. And you say to yourself, well, what is these vessels? They're, they're, They're elements of value. And the book is saturated with value. It starts with the, the very first chapter. What is it about? Education. You get there and God shows his people how to, how to still honor him and still value him despite education, which is a tremendous struggle for us today. 
And I only tell you that some of this book, although prophetic, I was telling Jamal, and I, and I don't want to get rambled on, but I was telling our brother Jamal that some of this book is the here and now. How do we live for God now? And the decisions that you and I have to make. Well, in chapter 1, it's, it's the golden vessels, huh? about education and how to honor God and still pursue something in this world. Okay, Chapter 2, what does God do? He evaluates. He, he gives his evaluation, his value on world empires. Chapter 3, he gives his politics. Remember, they, these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if they didn't bow down to the political regime of that day, they were thrown in the fiery furnace. How do you honor God when the, when the political world around you is not, you know what I mean, it's not the United States, which gives you the liberty to do whatever you like, to have that freedom of religion? Well, in other parts of the world, guess what? They don't give you that liberty. So how do you honor the Lord? How do you practically live for Him under those conditions? Don't worry. Daniel will tell you. He'll tell you in Daniel chapter 3. And then in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has... There's wonders of this world that we still owe to the Babylonian Empire. There's one... Actually, your clock, if if it's working, and how we've divided the time, is because of that era. So there's beauties in that era. The man wanted culture. He loved ethics. He loved civil service. He loved having beautiful things, beautiful gardens. The man was saturated with artwork. Look at some of the artwork that's presented in our museums today. They're, they're, they're because of this era. Well, what does God value those things at? You find out in there. And ultimately, uh, you get to chapter 5. And I'm running out of time. Chapter 5 is incredible because the man finally brings it up. Okay, Eddie, fine. Education and politics and job. Okay, okay. We'll, we try our best. We'll figure it out. What about me? What about me? Good. The book brings it up. What about you? What do you value your life at? What does God value the human being life at? You see, Belshazzar finally arrived. He was done with the education. He's done with all that his granddad had ever done, whether he was his physical granddad or just because that's terminology that they would use for his successors, we can decide later. But here he goes up on the scene and he finally does the one question that we've all been wanting to ask. What about me? What I want? You see, God is distant sometimes, or at least he feels like he's distant. He feels like you can do anything in this world and God's not going to come knocking on your door, especially when things are tough sometimes. That's the question. Where are you, God? Right? Okay. Belshazzar now stands in this stage and he does what any king would do. He's not, he's not as inclined as Nebuchadnezzar. He's in for a good time. What's wrong with having a good time? I mean, you don't have a good time. This man started with a feast. And some of the pictures that I've seen of how they think this thing went down, they said it was absolutely beautiful. The feast was something special. Everybody who was anybody was there. It was feast that had food galore. It had wine. It had all the pretty people of the world. All the people with power. Everybody was there. And Belshazzar is into having a good time. The thing that fascinates me about the man is that now this wall, on the wall comes his hand and he starts to write. I don't know what you think, uh, how special you think you are or how special I think I am. I find it absolutely fascinating that the God of of heaven takes me serious. Do you understand that chapter 4 would never have happened if I was God? I would never have taken that time. I don't care who Nebuchadnezzar thinks he is. I'm God. And in that case, I'm not into teaching you a lesson and restoring you and making sure that you're okay. And I'm, I'm much less interested in Belshazzar. The man stood at this feast and then he says this. It only took him two verses. And you finally realize why he had this feast. He was done with God. For all all intents and purposes, the man said, who is God? I'm tired of hearing about the gods. I'm tired of it. 
Because you see, as you get the impression from the queen, is there something that maybe he grew up under? He grew up under the knowledge of what had happened to granddad, Nebuchadnezzar. And you could imagine when he went to bed and they would say, oh, how, it's incredible how God dealt so kindly with Nebuchadnezzar, your grandfather. And oh, how he, he restored him and he made him a, a beautiful kingdom. And night after night and day after day, Mama would remind them, oh, Belshazzar, your life isn't right. You need to get right like Nebuchadnezzar. You need to get it right. Your life is not right. Enough of this. I'm the king. Well, he's actually maybe half king right now because his father was somewhere else, they say. The man said, enough. I'm going to tell you what I think about God. Bring me those vessels. Bring me those golden vessels from, from the, the, the small temple in Jerusalem. And it only took him two verses. And the man puts the wine into the cup and he says, and he drinks. And then he, get, he, he says, drink, drink, because it doesn't matter. The only true joy, the only value in this world is you and me. We do what we want. Forget this notion of God. We're done with it. And the man drinks. And before he could even set down his cup, his hand comes out. And God, the eternal God, steps into time and is willing to be patient with this man and starts to write. And he starts to write these, the writings of the wall. And the man now, is, his countenance is changed. The funny thing is, remember, what was chapter 1 about? Oh, Daniel and his friends, they don't want the food. They don't want the wine. And what was the, what was the worry from the eunuch? Remember what he said? Oh, your countenance, Daniel. I can't have you looking different than all the others. They'll have my head. And he said, don't you worry. You can test us. And if we're better, then you know, we'll keep doing it. Well, now the king here is eating all the king's food and drinking all the king's wine. And whose countenance looks bad? His. The man's shaking in his boots. And lo and behold, he doesn't even know what to do. He calls all his scientists. He calls all his... He does the protocol. Folks, that's what he does. He goes through reason. He goes through all his resources, and they can't help him one bit. So then the queen steps in. says, now you remember, when your grandfather Nebuchadnezzar was around, there was a man. His name was Daniel. And the funny thing is, how does he not know about Daniel? Where is Daniel? Daniel's a nobody right now in this kingdom, which is a bad, bad thing. Let me remind you that you live in a world that the Daniel, non-existent. And this world can do without God. You want to live for him? You're going to have to do it on your own. You're going to have to work on your own. You're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to restore that testimony. You're going to have to be that Daniel. Because <laughs> he's in, out there, the majority, I'm just saying, the majority. Daniel is gone. Daniel comes onto the scene, and it's an amazing thing, because he tells him something that I hate to hear as an adult, and I hated it as a child. Verse 22. Look at verse 22 one more time. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thy heart, though thou knewest all these things. Belshazzar wasn't dumb. Belshazzar grew up under what we would say the constant reminder of, of Nebuchadnezzar's experience with the living God. It was saturated with it. He knew. And you know what they say? You should have known. But you did nothing about it. You didn't let it penetrate your heart, Belshazzar. And now the scale comes out and no man or woman wants to see the scale. No one. Because ultimately, it wasn't a scale about what Belshazzar thought about God. That was too late, you see. Now God's taking the scale out and he's showing Belshazzar what he evaluates him at. And I tell you this, I, again, I thank God for Jamel. I run these things by him. He's very good. Uh, 
God help him. You know, when we grow up in this world, I mean, what a desire to be wanted, huh? You do it. I know you do. As a kid, you had friends, and you love when they call you up or, you know, go out to play. And when you get older, you have that little job, and, you know, you have, I mean, you just like being there. You like being there for people. You like being wanted. Some of us, have, God's given us a family, and guess what the little kids do? They remind us every day that we're wanted. They we're wanted. But as we get older, we start realizing we're not as wanted as we once were. There's nothing wrong with that. There's different stages in life, praise the Lord, that we can get involved. Our sister was a beautiful reminder of that. But in this world without Christ, oh, when you get older and older and you realize that you're just not as wanted as you once were, oh, the horror of getting to heaven's door and noticing that you're not wanted either because it's too late. The, the time to evaluate God is now. And to show him what you mean now, mean business with the living God now. Those things that they used were beautiful, aren't they? Gold, silver, and some of the other things are not that good. Only the ladies like the gold and silver. Everything else <laughs> is not a good birthday present. <laughs> but they're beautiful, aren't they? And when they're put together, you can put beautiful things together. And they were used as a method of showing God what he meant to them. If they can fill the temple of the living God with all the gold, they would have done it. And they did. And they did. Remember in Numbers? Whoa, that's enough. Stop bringing stuff. The people of God wanted to show what God meant to them. But you see, sometimes in our lives, I don't know where we get this notion at. That we're going to live forever. That I'll deal with God, I'll answer to God whenever and, and my choosing. Well, one day the scale will be, will be brought out. And the horror to hear something like this. Mene, mene, teko, you farsa. You see, all that was was dollar signs and coins. It was something, it was common language. Whatever you think it was, pounds or coins, they should have known. They were reading this. I don't know what you would think, huh? Imagine sitting in your living room and all of a sudden this pops up on your wall. Sure, you know it's dollars and coins. But what does it mean? They couldn't tell what it meant. Because now they can read. But they didn't know the meaning behind it. And the horror to get God's... Oh, what a, what a blessing today to hear those verses, huh? You ever played that game where you sit around and somebody just quotes a verse and you have to find out where it's from? You guys would win. You know that, right? Those memory verses were clear, almost pushing 50 of them. That was good. But let me tell you something that's a horror. To read God's word. And it's just a bunch of letters to you now. I got my... Oh, boy. I got my dad. A man reads scripture all the time because he's at that point in life now. All the fun days are behind him. All the days with the kids are behind them. And he's starting to realize that life slows down. And he picks up the book. Oh, Wadi, I read it, but I don't understand it. And to get to the horror that God's word is just a bunch of letters now. And you can't tell the meaning. These men should have known. And then Daniel steps on the scene. And he has to reveal to them the horror of it all. Let me remind you that not everyone is going to heaven. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know where that notion came up. I don't know if it was an excuse so that people can just live however they want. One day, you will answer to the living God, the creator of this earth that you live in. It's a far cry from what he created huh? in the garden. It's a far cry. Men have fallen so far. But oh, to know that one day I'll meet the creator and that he has a new heaven and a new earth. But I'm ready for that. The, the thing is, I doubt everyone in this room is. that everyone in the room is. Our Father, we thank you for thy word. We thank you that it encourages, actually it excites us, our God, because you're so real. 
And it is real. These are not fairy tale stories. They're not made-believe stories. Our brother read this morning how oh, so many were witnesses to what had happened. They were eyewitnesses. In our courtroom settings, one or two witnesses will do. In a, in a setting where there's over 500, that, that's a no-brainer. Our God, you, this, thy word is real. You're real. This world, our Father, is very temporary. Our lives are temporary, our God. We see it through Belshazzar. The man thought he was the ultimate value. He thought life, his happiness, his pleasure was all there was to live for. And then you stepped on the scene. You had to remind him that the very breath that he possessed was given to him by you. And the very breath that we possess, our God, is given to us by you. Our Father, slow our hearts and our minds down this morning to contemplate what is at risk If we walk out of here without thy son, I know where I'm going. No man can persuade me elsewhere. Uh, But I know our God this morning, there's someone in here who thought they've had it right all their life. They haven't. Today is the day of salvation. Today you can choose. Our Father, we pray that that heart will be spoken to this morning. Use thy word, our Father, as broken as it was. Use it that it would encourage and edify the saints. That Just like it did Daniel. That when the moments of, of contradiction come, when they come, We will stand firm just like he did and and be a tremendous testimony of who you are by thy grace so that we can show you our story, our God, and what we've done for you and our evaluation of you and what what you mean to us. Our Father, bless this meeting and the testimony here for we pray this all in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen.